it all comes back to intentionality. Yeah. And I always talk about that, but it's reverse engineering. What do you really want in life? Because the reality is most people don't know what they really want in life. You know, I learned this when I was doing one-on-one -on -one performance interviews with my sales reps cross country. Yeah. And I'd sit down for 20 minutes with my employees and like, hey, you know, why are you here? What's your holy cause? What's your purpose? What are your goals? What do you really want out of this, this long-term? And everybody has an easier reaction. Like, hey, I want to get a house. I want to pay for a wedding. I want to pay for student loan. I yeah. want a, I want a, a right. sports car. <laughs> but, but you dive into it deeper yeah. and it gets fuzzy really, really quick, man. Yeah, and like, right. and very few people know what they really are fighting for. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of The Bullpen. I'm so excited to be introducing this next guest because this dude is the definition of a badass entrepreneur who has proved it in so many different areas. So my guest today has over 17 years of experience, had a 17-year career, excuse me, with one of the nation's largest smart home security companies, uh, Vivint Smart Home. He served eight years as a regional vice president of sales, followed by three years with sister company Vivint Solar, where he's led over a hundred sales teams. Any of you who know how difficult that is, you have to be some dude to, to manage and, and lead that many sales teams because sales is is a different kind of monster, right? And throughout this 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 time period, uh, he built up the contribution to help this company to go public with a multi-billion dollar valuation. Uh, my guest now consults several small to medium-sized high-growth uh, businesses across the country. Uh, he's created his unique lifestyle by design program focused on living life fully with freedom and purpose along with his wife and four young children. My guest recently launched uh, the All Red Foundation, Family Foundation, which I kind of give away your name already, <laughs> but really recently that launched that foundation uh, and now has over 18 years of experience in the real estate game, which is probably, if you know this guy, you're probably seeing more and more of him due to the real estate because at the age of 30, he's committed to building his portfolio with over a thousand rental doors by the age of 40. So this dude has now launched something called Axia Partner Funds in Real Estate, where they're doing tens of millions of dollars with real estate. They're absolutely crushing the game. Dave Allred, thanks for coming on, brother. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate I'm it. I'm excited to have you on, dude. Because funny, you and me met not actually earlier this year, right, through our group of friends. And I was talking to you about, you know, like a bunch of stuff. We were just sitting down to dinner. You immediately told me about what you had going on in real estate. I was like, Dude, I I'm in, bro. <laughs> and I so just so you know, I've I, I've heard about you before I met you, and I heard about how much you were killing it in the real estate game. But dude, that much time in in Vivint and leading sales teams, and then making the transition to being this big of a killer in the real estate game, you're obviously you're developing your name in the real estate market as one of the top guys to be you know diving in with in regards to if investing in real estate, whether it's multifamily or whatever it is, dude. What's your story, man? Like, that's what I really want to understand here is like, how'd you become this dude? Because you don't do have that kind of success helping Vivint become a multi-billion dollar company. You're one of the top dogs of Vivint. Now one of the top dogs of real estate. How, how'd you become this dude? Like what happened? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> it's a loaded question. That, that's, isn't a, it? that's a big question for sure. Um, 
You know, with, with Vivian, it was supposed to be four months going out in to Chicago for a four-month summer. Right. And, you know, eventually turned into a 17-year career. Yeah. And super grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Definitely one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. But, oh, yeah. You know, kind of backing up, I'm, I'm from here in Utah, a really small town called Manti. Mm. It's about 2,000 population, yeah. really small, right? Next to Narnia. <laughs> hey, there you go. And, uh, you know, grew up in a, a family that was uh, definitely a very low income, mm-hmm. you know, blue collar, you know, family. My dad worked two jobs, didn't really, you know, see him around a ton. And, and uh, I just remember growing up and always, you know, wanting a lot in my own life mm-hmm. and being very goal focused. And I can't pinpoint exactly, you know, at what point in my life or, you know, what made me set these high expectations for mm-hmm. myself. But I just know I was willing to do whatever it, it took in my life to be able to really up level yeah. and create a great quality life for my family and for me personally. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I realized a long time ago, though, at my core, I'm really motivated by freedom. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to have a ton of freedom in my personal life Yeah. to be able to live life on my own terms. And so a lot of what I've done in my life and my approach has really been focused on, around how to create additional freedom mm-hmm. and not, not just financial freedom, but, you know, time freedom mm-hmm. and freedom to be doing what I want to be doing, what I'm passionate about in my own life yeah. and freedom to be doing it with people I want to be doing it with, yeah. you know, because in my opinion, who you do business with is who you do life with naturally, yes. yeah, right? right. There's proximity, you spend yes. time together and you end up, you know, having a lot of shared values and, yeah. and, uh, and experiences and you create those relationships and those memories around mm-hmm. business. Good and or so, bad. You got it. Yeah. And so, um, you know, grew up in that environment and then I was going to snow college and, uh, again, I, I knew I wanted a lot in my life. Yeah. I didn't know how I was going to do that. I want to yeah. be a professional firefighter was, was, was <laughs> what I thought I wanted to do. And I was an international businessman and, uh-huh. um, but they had a recruiting booth set up with, you know, Krispy Kreme donuts on it and it's <laughs> snow college. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hungry college kid. I walk sure. up, grab a donut. Yeah. And then they tell me there's going to be a recruiting meeting that night at a pizza place called Fat Jack's Pizza. Yeah. And so I'm like, nice. I'm winning, man. I got donuts. Isn't that one of the biggest places down there in Ephraim area? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the place. That's the place where they go hang out. Now there's Walmart. (laughs) And and so I went to that pizza meeting or that recruiting meeting. And, um, you know, next thing you know, I'm heading out to Chicago um, to go knock for the summertime. And, Mm -hmm. and I knew it was going to be hard, you know, and there's definitely nothing sexy about door sales or glamorous about it, Mm -hmm. but I knew it was going to be hard, but you know, I realized that I'd learn a lot from that Mm -hmm. and I was going to learn about sales and, you know, I've always come embrace the mindset of, of always being uncomfortable mm-hmm. and, and that, you know, the ability to be uncomfortable or to be comfortable being uncomfortable is so valuable. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that it, I'd be uncomfortable and it was going to be difficult and hard, but I also knew I'd learn a lot from that experience. You know, I was relatively young and, uh, yeah, so I jumped out there and how old were you when you started? If you I was started? 20, 21 years old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I went out and it, Jeremiah, it was, it was hands down the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, I get you. Um, you know, first week I sold one account ended up being a, a sub 600 credit score. And so I shouldn't have sold in the first place. Right. And so they came back and actually ripped out the alarm system the next, oh, the next week and then shit. charged me back the $200 commission that I made. Right. So that was my first entire week. Yeah. You know, and I, and I came from, you know, Manti going into like, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the highest crime area of Chicago. Yeah, and so it's kind of like a fish out of water trying yeah. to figure out what to do. Right. First month, really rough. Even about halfway through the summertime, I was still really struggling, you know, way behind where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about quitting every day, yeah, right. you know, really every, multiple times every, yeah. every day. Um, and then one of the regional managers came out and he had a, a, a conversation with our team. And by the way, about 80% of our team had already quit by that point. Jeez. 
And he talked about how anybody that sold 100 accounts could become a sales manager mm -hmm. the next year and actually recruit a team and go and build something. And it really clicked for me right there. I was like, okay, you know what? This could become something where it's a career. I'm creating value for other people. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot bigger than just me, you know, going out and trying to make some money for me personally. Yeah. And so that was really inspirational for me. And, you know, it really kind of turned my summer around. I was able to finish really strong with 121 accounts, wow. made $31,000, which for me at that point in my life was a game changer. Yeah. Like that was more than my parents had made. It's more than I ever really? Know, really even probably expected to make out wow. there. And so, you know, it was enough to, to get me to come back the next year as a mm -hmm. sales manager. And uh, we had the, you know, number one first year team. And then the next year, a top team, and then a regional manager, uh, uh, then a VP of sales for eight years. Loved it. Uh, managed 121 sales teams across the country in 42 different states. Wow. And then uh, sister company, Vivint Solar, was doing really well. And so had the opportunity to go out and, and help run the California market for mm -hmm. Vivint Solar. Moved my family out there for two and a half years. Okay. And um, ran a few eight teams up there in, in California. And loved the experience. But, you know, the entire time, so it's going to be a four-month, you know, summer sales program turning mm -hmm. into 17 years. Yeah. And super grateful, man. Just, yeah. just not just the, you know, the money, but the soft skills you learn from doing yeah. that job, right. communication, your personal, you know, communication, psychology, yeah. how to take re that reject, that level of rejection and failure on a daily basis, yeah. you know, mindset, discipline, mm -hmm. leadership, salesmanship, which mm -hmm. I think is the most valuable skill set is, is salesmanship. Mm -hmm. You know, I know you know that with what you're doing in yeah. your business as well, right. but you, if you can couple salesmanship with leadership, yeah. That to me is the most dynamic, most powerful, or most valuable two skills you can have yeah. to create real value in the markets. Because in my opinion, you know, money just follows value, right? Mm -hmm. And so the more value you can create mm -hmm. in the market, then the more valuable you are. And you know, it's just anyway, very grateful for the opportunity I've learned, you know, sales and leadership yeah. earlier in my career. Yeah. Well, let me ask you because in door door, so I did door door for two years, pest control. I didn't right? know. That. You didn't know that. <laughs> so I I love. Uh, well, actually. Let me take that back. I do not love door-to-door. -door. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, man, I've heard two people my entire career literally I, say, I love door-to-door But I, But I, I, think, I think you and me both agree on this. I love what I learned about myself in door-to-door, -door, right? Because obviously, you know, growing up LDS, served a mission, learned a lot about myself there, went out and did door-to-door. -door. The, the amount of, and the thing about door-to-door, -door, the amount of rejection you experience in such a, such a short time frame is probably, to me, what shows you the most about yourself because you're going to knock hundred plus doors a day and you might sell one, maybe three. If you're really good, especially in pest control, you'll sell 10, right? But that means you have 90 plus rejections every single day for the summer, however long you do it. Right. And the number one thing that I think people like if anyone who does door to door can walk away with, is you learn how to push through the nose and the objection. You kind of have to. If you got soft skin, you ain't going to make it. You'll go home early, which a lot of people do because you're forced to experience rejection at a high level, right? 100%. I would say mental fortitude. Yes. Right? Just yeah. that that tenacity and that ability to just keep going and to really master your emotions mm. is so valuable, man. And nothing will teach you better than going out and knocking doors. Yeah. In fact, all of my children, I want them even if they don't need the money, I want them to be doing at least one year of door-to-door sales. Yeah. I think those skill sets are so valuable, man, mm -hmm. especially in today's market because I think nowadays everybody, you know, everybody wants delayed gratification. Yeah. They want instant gratification. Yes. They want to see it right now. Yeah. And what I learned from, you know, my first year especially was, you know, is the law of the harvest mm -hmm. or delayed gratification where yeah. you've got to put that work in now, plant those seeds, 
and keep watering it yeah. and fertilizing it and, 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 and tolling, you know, putting all that work into yeah. it. And then eventually that reward comes, Yes, amen. but it's so valuable. Man. And nowadays I feel like that's, that's, it's almost a lost art. There's a loss. Oh my gosh. You know what I'm saying? Dude. I will. I say that all the time. The, the ability to like the, the message and the ability and the skill set to push through pain is a lost art. I've literally said that on this podcast multiple times. It's a lost skill set. It's a lost art. It's a lost lesson. Why that's not being taught more and more. And you know what? Honestly, I come from a football background as well. I, I was at BYU for a couple of years at quarterback. You know, I, I grew up playing football my entire life. My dad played football at BYU. My grandpa coached at BYU for 25 years. I grew up in a football background. And the number one thing that in football you have to learn in most sports is you better push through pain. You're going to experience pain. You're going to, you know, tweak your knee or your, your, your ankle, or you're going to get hit. You're going to get rocked. Something's going to happen. You're going to experience pain and it's not a reason to stop. But I think in football today, I keep seeing more and more just this, this, this tap thing on the head. Like just, I've seen more and more, you know, people just saying tapping on the helmet, like, Oh, give me a break. I'm like, where was it? Like, if you go back and look 20 years ago, you know, like there's this, there's this mental fortitude of pushing through pain of actually like, you know, like pushing yourself to do something. Kobe Bryant, you know, was one of the people he had his finger dislocated and down today you're taking three games off or maybe three weeks, whatever it is. He went over to the side, had him pop it back in. He went back in the fucking game. He tore his Achilles and he's back in the game just to shoot those last free throws. Like that's the lost art that I feel like we, that we need to bring back into, you know, the message for our generation, for the kids, everything push through pain. Life is pain. There's nothing about life that is not painful. Growth is pain. That is literally the definition of pain, of growth is you will experience pain. It, that's why we call it growing pains. Your bones are going to hurt as kids, right? So you better learn to push through pain, whether it's in sales, business, anything. I love that you said, because when you push through pain, that's the key. The 1% is the 1% because they do what the 99% are not willing to do, meaning they push through a lot more pain than they will, right? 100%. And people <laughs> think I'm crazy when I say this, man, but- I've actually always intentionally try to be on the fringe of my comfort zone because that's where personal development comes from. It's right. when you're a little bit uncomfortable, you're a little bit nervous, you're scared, yeah. you're on the fringe of your comfort zone. Yes. And so, you know, I intentionally am always trying to take on something that's difficult. It's hard. Yeah. It scares me. It pushes me. You know, in fact, like as an example, there's only a few things that really scare me in my life right now. Um, cause my approach has always been like, Hey, if it scares you, it probably means you should just do it. Yes. Right. So if something scares you, Yes. Amen. it means oh. usually it means you should do it. Yeah. And so, you know, it's very few things in my life that I'm, you know, I'm, that I'm, I'm fearful of, yeah. you know, one of them is I've got these three beautiful daughters and it's like the idea of them dating, oh. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know how to fix that one right now. I'm right. just have to go yeah. through that one, but that still worries me, you know, public speaking. And so, you know, I've committed, I'm going to do stand up comedy this year. Did you? you know, I'm going to, Are you? Okay. yeah, just cause that's like, to me, that's like the purest form of, of communication yeah. and, you know, really want to get over that fear. Yeah. And the other one is open water swimming and you know, competitive Ooh. open water swimming. I've done wow. a few events with Iron Cowboy. Speaking of like, you know, doing hard things, yeah. Iron Cowboy, good Ooh. friend of mine, you know, went and ran one of the um, Ironmans with him on, on his 48, uh, no, 97th one <sighs> of his hundred in a row, right? Holy but that guy's a perfect example of what we're talking about here, just really pushing the limits and, yeah. and testing your fortitude. You know, David Goggins talks about how when we think we're maxed out a hundred, like we're at our yeah. limit, really we're about 40%, Yeah. right? And, and the way to improve that is, 
to keep brushing up against that, you know, your what you think mentally is your limit, and yeah. then you expand from that. And so, yeah. anyway, personally, I always try to stay uncomfortable. And you know, with my kids, it's something I'm intentionally trying to do right now because mm-hmm. you know I worry. I'm actually really grateful that I grew up in a very low income uh, home where we had to work really, really hard. Got the work ethic from that. Yeah, you know, the humility from that. The uh, really the gratitude now to mm-hmm. have the contrast. I've seen that I've worked so hard to put myself in a better position with my family. Yeah. And then it contrasts that to what it was beforehand, right? Yeah. But one of the big concerns then is, okay, well, with my kids, how am I to make sure that they have, you know, that they, they embrace hard things and that yes. they get those same oh. values yeah. and that work ethic, right? Mm-hmm. So something we're still working through. Yeah. Uh, if we had more time, we could do a deep dive. Dude, I'd love to because, I mean, I don't know if you know anything about my story. One of the things, the things that changed my life was my dad forced me to do hard shit. And a lot, and you know, if, if you mean my dad, like he doesn't come across, he's not like, you know, like this hard ass guy, but to me, like growing up, he was, but I loved him every, but I loved him for it. And like the thing that he forced me to do, say baseball, right? If I, if he ever saw me getting scared of the baseball when I was up to bat, he would literally take me out the next day, throw pitches at me as hard as he could. And when I'm 10 years old and a grown man's throwing full, you know, fastballs, I'm scared shitless. And sometimes he'd actually bean me. And it was listening to this. They'd be like, that's child abuse. No, it's not child abuse. I'm fine. I got a bruise. I'm fine. But he taught me to not be afraid. He taught me not to be afraid. He literally, like, there was moments in my life where if I was scared of getting hit, he would force me to go hit people. Like, he forced, you know, like like in football or whatever it was, forcing me to experience pain, right? And it's because of that, I believe I'm where I'm at today and where I keep going because I'm constantly thinking back to the message. If you're afraid of it, you should lean into it, not run back. What's the expression? Right? Uh, tough, tough times create tough men. Yes. So- good times create soft men. Yes, right? exactly. I mean, like, and I'm just, you're trying to do that with your kids. It sounds like that's something you're doing with, is that what you're doing with the family foundation or? Uh, family foundation is, so all my kids are employees. Okay. So I, you know, I pay them, uh, right. you know, a salary for my real estate, um, uh, my personal real estate Smart business. And then, taxes. Yeah, tax wise, <laughs> you can pay them up to, you know, I'm not CPA, can't give tax advice, yeah. but up to 12 and a half grand a year. Yeah, right. Right. And that, they don't have to pay taxes on that. And then it's a deduction for the company as, as a wage. Yeah. Really awesome way to be able to teach the kids not just work ethic, but also, you know, how to manage finances and money as well. And so, yeah. you know, pay them whatever your, that salary is. And then, you know, for my kids, 10% of their, their, their capital goes into giving back 30% is discretionary. They can spend on whatever they want to. And then 60% goes into education and investing in real estate. Nice. And so it's all structured that way. I then love that. Family Foundation is something we came up with to help teach the kids to give back. And so yeah. each one of my kids are on the, the board of directors. <laughs> and they just got to choose their own foundation or their own charitable cause, right? Yeah. And their ages, uh, seven, 10, 12, and 15. It's awesome because they get to own that. Like yeah. they chose what they want to support, right? Um, for me, my dad has Parkinson's, you know, so I'm, I, I chose to support Parkinson's Foundation. But, you know, my daughter loves Operation Underground Railroad. So yes. She supports that. Yeah. Um, in fact, you did a, a podcast with yeah. uh, Tim. Oh, Tim. Back, right? Yeah. And then, you know, my son loves the Wounded Warrior Project, so he's supporting that. But mm. it was a really fun way to teach them how to give back, but then to really own it because they're on the board of directors and they got to choose the that's, actual charity. That's really cool. I think that's pretty sweet. Anyone listening to that, DM Dave Allred for more advice on that because that's, that's something I'd love to do with my kids. I'll have to pick your brain on that some more because that's genius. Another one is what's fun is teaching your children about like real estate. Is exactly yeah. right. So my parents never, ever talked about 
investing, real estate, and business. Yeah. And frankly, it's probably because they didn't really know a lot on the topic, maybe, right? Sure. I'm sure they did their very best, but yeah. that wasn't something we ever talked about. Um, but now, like with my kids, I'm really trying to, to flip the script there. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, if my seven-year-old walked in right now and said, hey, what's the best type of income? She's going to say passive income. Mm-hmm. Like all my kids know this. We talk about it all the time. You know, instead of having a, you know, an educational, a 529 plan for the kids, mm-hmm. the goal is to have them each own, you know, a fourplex, have their own real estate mm-hmm. that pays through passive income to pay for their college tuition mm-hmm. and everything else. And so, you know, That's it's been awesome. really fun to be able to teach the kids how, how this all works. You know, another quick example on that is yeah, yeah. like my daughter, she's turning 16 here and mm-hmm. she really wanted a, you know, a, a Tesla Model 3. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, yeah, there's no way that's going to make sense. You know, it's irresponsible to get that nice of a car for, yeah. you know, your first vehicle. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, okay, this is a learning opportunity to teach my kids about money and how to make money work for you. Mm. And so that, you know, it came down to, okay, well, we'll, we'll split the cost with you. Whatever, whatever you want to put into your vehicle, we'll split the cost with you. And then, uh, you know, I'm basically the lender on that one. So you know, let's say her payment's $300 a month. And it's okay. Cool. That's still too much for a 15, 16 year old to have mm-hmm. to burden herself with for the next five years right. on a car loan. So how can we create enough passive income to make the car payment for you? Mm-hmm. And that led to the last two months of putting together a game plan where you know she's going to come in on my on one of my duplexes and own. You know she's been working for two years now wow. a, a job. And she bought some cryptocurrency, some Bitcoin, Ethereum. <laughs> That's done really well. Yeah. So now she has enough to actually do a substantial investment into real estate. Wow. And that will actually pay for that car payment, right? And that's what I want to teach my kids is, hey, yeah. you can actually have whatever you want in life. But, you know, the, the, the smart way of approaching that is how can I create a passive income through an investment to pay for those yeah. you know, kind of more luxury items that you want in your life? Dude. <laughs> your kids are getting set, man. That's how. That's well, that's I'm still what figure, should still be. figuring it out, man. For the record, like parenting. Yeah. That's one. Like in business, I feel yeah. like I can. You know, I can. I'm a professional problem solver. I yeah. can. I do executive consulting for different businesses, and you know, and I'm really good at solving problems. Yeah. Dude, parenting is a whole other world. Yeah. There's no book on that. There's <laughs> no, not really no, no, no. There's been there's been people have tried, but though, yeah, you, there's no book. There never will be, except for the Bible, and the Book of Mormon. <laughs> but dude, let me let me pivot to something because. When you're talking about this, you say the word freedom a lot, right? Now, from the door-to-door background, I, at least from my experience, everyone who does door-to-door usually does it because of the freedom. Because the freedom that if you go out for four months, you can make a full-time salary in four months and have a lot of freedom for the rest of the year. So you sacrifice four months where you don't have a whole lot of freedom. You go nine to nine pretty much every damn day, right? It's hard, but then it creates freedom for the rest of life. I know a lot of people who do door-to-door because of that, but it also creates enough income if they're good, if they stick with it long enough, they can get good enough where they can create enough income to then start throwing it into investments. It, at least if they're guided the right way, which I hope they are. And that's one something I want to do is help guide people into that because I know a lot of people who can make a lot of money, spend on the wrong shit. Now you're in the exact same fucking hole, right? Yeah. But so you're talking freedom a lot. Then you also throw out the words passive income. To me, every time I hear passive income, the number one word that comes to mind is freedom. That is what passive income is, right? And I know we like to say is, oh, so you can sit on your couch and just get paid. That's fine. But really what is is freedom. Freedom to do what you want, when you want, how you want. Passive income is freedom. You say freedom a lot in this. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts because your business and really what you've done your entire career was based around creating freedom. Am I wrong? 100%. Absolutely. And so what I saw was in door sales was, you know, as individuals' income went up and they made more and more money, Usually, the majority of people would then their their cost of living would go up yeah. proportionately. Right. And so they're buying new trucks, new snowmobiles, new rims, yeah. you know, just, um, depreciating assets. Yeah. 
And it actually some put guys in a worse position because they get used to making 100, 200 grand, half a million, whatever. Mm-hmm. And their cost of living goes up, you know, congruent with that. Yeah. And so they actually don't get ahead. They're actually in a mm-hmm. worse position because now their cost of living is so high. Right. And their expectation level, right? Yeah. And so, you know, luckily, and part of it comes probably from my, my, my upbringing, you know, with not having money. And so when I had some money, it was very, mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, protected it. Sure. Right. But, you know, I, I just, I, I realized I wanted to have that passive income. And so, mm-hmm. Um, I, I went to talk to my CPA after my second year, made like 156 grand that year. And I was like, hey, what should I do with this? Like, I, I have no idea what's a responsible way to approach this. And he said all of his clients, either all of his wealthy clients are invested in business, businesses or real estate. <laughs> and I was like, cool, real estate. I've heard, I've heard yeah. about it. It sounds fun. Let, yeah. let me figure that out. Yep. You know, and I just took it upon myself to, to figure out and, uh, you know, started, you know, podcasts, books, mm-hmm. um, a mentor, hired a real estate uh, coach, um, but really just proximity around other guys that were doing really well with this. Yeah. You know, the, the uh, kind of my, my mentor, you know, Todd Peterson at Vivint, he always talked about whenever you go into a new area, you really want to identify the top one to two percent mm-hmm. of the people in that space and then try to get as much proximity as you can to them because mm-hmm. they're going to know not just the best practices, but also their network mm-hmm. and their relationships can actually exponentially add value for you, right? Yeah. By being around the very best in class. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, I just said, hey, you know, what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, learn, I'm gonna figure out this real estate game, and and uh, plenty of lessons learned at the beginning sure. as we got started in it. But really, really grateful that that's the the course that I, you know, that that I committed to. Yeah. And so, you know, the last 15 years of my Vivint career was really just taking as much active income as I can mm-hmm. and playing it into passive income investments. Yeah. And, you know, a big part of that, though, is knowing exactly what you're trying to accomplish with your investments. Mm-hmm. Most guys do investments just based on emotion, FOMO, fear, greed, right? right, it's, right. it's more of an emotional yes. decision. Yeah. What I, I've always been a pretty calculated guy, mm-hmm. you know, very left-brained. And, and, and so for me, it was very much more of a calculated, okay, Let's figure out the end goal, the you know, the, with intentionality behind it, and then reverse engineer exactly yeah. what I want to be building right mm-hmm. now. And part of that is when you're out knocking doors. I mean, that's probably the hard, one of the hardest ways to earn a dollar. Yes, right, right. And so, I was figuring out, okay, if I'm going to work this hard at something, why am I doing this? And uh, in my opinion, I truly believe that real estate is the best way to build true wealth, mm-hmm. right? True generational wealth yes. is through real estate. Yeah. And so it's been a fun journey, man. You know, started out mm-hmm. doing townhomes and I bought four condos and townhomes from the from the auction mm-hmm. back in 2010. That's awesome. You know, those appreciated quite a bit. Wow. I'll say to, you know, say 200 grand, so they doubled in value. Bought them for 100,000, yeah. appreciated 200 grand. What was that here in Utah? Yeah, wow. uh, yeah. Yep. Salt Lake, Utah County. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in 2014, it was, okay, there's so much equity in these deals. Let's 1031 exchange, which mm-hmm. means basically selling it yeah. and trading for like-kind property. Yep. And there's no taxable mm-hmm. event there, right? Yep. And so I 1031 exchanged those into four fourplexes, mm-hmm. which were that time a half million dollars, you know, so you need about $150,000 of down payment. So I literally took one condo I bought for hundred grand, 1031 exchange into a fourplex with no mm-hmm. additional cash out of pocket just because of that equity, right? Yeah, right. And so went from four doors to 16 doors mm-hmm. and then, you know, kept building on adding more to that. But mm-hmm. then fast forward a few years later, those four plexes <clears throat> became worth about 800 to a, a million. Yeah. And so then again, selling those 1031 exchange into more four plexes right. or into a 20 plex or a 60 plex. Yeah. And then it's really building a portfolio. Um, so I think I've bought about 25, 26, four plexes and then went to multifamily uh, on my own. Yeah. And then from there, the next step was, okay, what's one thing in my life's always been like, you know, whatever I'm doing, I always wanted 
do a bigger deal than yesterday. Yeah. This is like a, a, a philosophy or mm-hmm. a guiding principle. Mm-hmm. Always be doing bigger deals than yesterday. Mm-hmm. And by doing so, you're going to have more development, personal development, growth. Your network expands. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, the profitability expands. Yeah. And you just always get that forward progression. Mm-hmm. And so from there, it was, okay, what's next? And it was syndications, which mm-hmm. means you raise capital from yep. you know friends and your mm-hmm. network to take down bigger you know commercial real estate deals. So I did a bunch of those. And the next step from there was, okay, well, what's, you know, what's next? And it was uh, launch a real estate fund. Mm-hmm. And so that's been what I've been really mainly focused on the last year, year and a half now. And it's been awesome experience, but, yeah. um, but yeah, with free, going back to your question on freedom, to me, that's the best way to create true long-term consistent reoccurring passive income. I call yeah. it mailbox money mm-hmm. is through real estate. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny you say that. Cause you you know, your mentor tells you like the most wealthy people he knows invest in business, real estate. What my so I dropped out of college after I got cut from the football team, right? I was wasn't good enough to stay. So instead I looked at how much money I was going to spend on college, right? Say sixty thousand dollars was roughly what God I calculated. And I looked at my professors, I'm like, I don't want to end up like any of them. I don't want to end up like any of them. I'm like, oh, their professors are teaching to be no 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 no. They're there for a reason, right? There's a certain level of frequency and energy and 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 person that you that you've you know set yourself in. So I didn't want to be where they're at, right? So I said, okay, I'm going to do Jeremiah University. I'm going to invest sixty thousand dollars. I give my permission to even if I take out loans because I was going to take out loans for college. I'll take out loans to get mentors, and I will fly around the country and I'll spend sixty thousand dollars on some mentors. And I talked and I went to these masterminds. I went to these things and I started learning from some of the wealthiest people that I could think of, right? Spending a lot of money on this. And they all said the same thing. And the one, the one person who said it, um, like I actually forgot his name. (laughs) Uh, he wasn't even uh, the mentor, but he said this because he's a constitutionalist. He said the constitution of the United States was written to benefit the landowner and the business owner. That is the key to success. If you look at the tax code, if you look at how everything's written, the way to grow in this country, the way to grow is to get in businesses and real estate. You will never, ever lose in real estate because there will never be any more land. There will never be any more land and we will always need it. So the one way, like you're saying, the one way to secure everything for the rest of your life, true generational wealth is land. That is the principle of this country, that you can own your own land in this country, not kings, queens, monarchs, or or lords or whatever. They own the land and we work it. No, no, no. In this country, we the people own the land. And when we own the land, we have the power. People don't understand this. When it comes to politics and when it comes to all the stuff we're talking about, politicians don't have the power the people do. And when the people have the power, it's because they own the businesses. They own the real estate. Who's the one telling the politicians to do? It's the really wealthy people who had the bigger businesses in real estate who tell the politicians what to do, what things to put in place. Politicians are the puppets. It's the entrepreneurs. It's the business owners, landowners who determine what happens in this country. They have the power. The, the, the American spirit is the entrepreneur spirit. That, that is, it's the same thing. Wanting freedom, wanting to have that, you know, like, uh, you know, manifest destiny where it's up to me and nobody else. No one dictates the outcome of life. That is what it's all about. And when you're saying real estate, dude, like nothing could be more true. Like if people would just take that principle and run with it, I know there's so many other arguments out there where they're trying to get you to invest in, you know, again, crypto or all these other things. If you just want the th- one thing that will has never lost and will never lose it's land, it's real estate. We're always going to need a place to live. We're always going to need something. There's never going to be more land. So you're talking about creating true freedom. That's real estate. That's how this country's built, right? So everything you're saying, I, I love it. And I know my audience loves it because they listen to this. They're saying, 
Damn, but you know what I think is so interesting though is there's so many young entrepreneurs like they hear real estate, they know it's good, but there's so many other things that they're like drawn towards. Yeah. Right? Like day trading, you know, and like, or flipping couches or hell, like flipping cards. And I'm not saying those are bad, but what I say is that if that's your side gig, if you have these side gig things, well, then you're not going anywhere because you need to either make that your fundamental business and then flow that into real estate, find one really good thing that you're good at and then flow it into these passive income streams. Like you did, you got became really, really good at sales and people right? You went to Vivid, you built sales teams. You were really good at one thing. That was your business. And then that business produced a lot more passive income. And that now becomes your business that you could just focus on your real estate, on your passive income, right? I wish more people would understand that, especially people listening. Yeah. So I have so much I want to share on that. Okay, man. Dive in, man. <laughs> but <laughs> I opened up a whole can of work. No, I, like, like 10 different things. I'm like, I, I, got, I want to talk about this one. Okay. What, what I, what, what I'd mainly say on that one is that, you know, it, it, it all comes back to intentionality yeah. and I always talk about that, but it's reverse engineering. What do you really want in life? Because the reality is most people don't know what they really want in life. Mm. You know, I learned this when I was doing one-on-one performance interviews with my sales reps cross country. Yeah. And I'd sit down for 20 minutes with my, with my employees and be like, Hey, you know, why are you here? What's your holy cause? What's your purpose? What are your goals? What yeah. do you really want out of this, mm-hmm. this long term? And everybody has an easier reaction. Like, Hey, I want to get a house. I want to pay for a wedding. I want to pay for student loan. I yeah. want to, I want a, a right. sports car, <laughs> but, but you dive into it deeper yeah. and it gets fuzzy really, really quick, man. Yeah, and like, right. and very few people know what they really are fighting for in life. And so what I found I said, Hey, you know, if I'm going to do, doing this job, I want that clarity. But I also, as a leader, want to be able to lead my people and, and cast that vision with them as well and help them to get more intentionality and purpose in their approach. Because I knew, I mean, from a selfish perspective, I know they would be more motivated and would perform better and be retained longer with the company if they had, if they saw how this opportunity was going to fast track to their end goal they really wanted to, right? Yes, their long-term goal. Exactly. And so, I remember sat down on a Sunday and I was like, Hey, you know what? I, I've been saying, I want, you know, financial freedom for a long time, but I'm, I'm going to commit to it. And there's yeah. a big difference between committing and wanting, yeah. right? So I said, okay, I'm going to commit to financial freedom. Spent four hours and reverse engineered the entire process. And it was, you know, okay, so this is, you know, what's my cost of living for my family. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what's my current, you know, passive income. And then how many years am I willing to commit to getting this financial freedom? Mm-hmm. And it's a really simple equation. Uh, it's really that. So let's say, as an example, say, Jeremiah, your cost of living is $200,000 for your family, yeah. right? So that's the first line on a spreadsheet. The next one is, what's my current passive income? Say you have some dividend stock or a townhome, a condo, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Say it's 50 grand. Okay, so the difference is your remaining passive income goal. So it's $150,000. Mm-hmm. Then you say, okay, I have you know 10 years to commit to this, which, by the way, that's the key here is, again, delayed gratification. It takes yeah, time to, right. to chase this, but it's a very worthwhile objective, yep. a mission, right? right? And so in that scenario, 10 years, you just need to create $15,000 of passive income per year mm. and you'll achieve true financial freedom. And it's really powerful when you write it down like that and you get that clear on it because then it's simply saying, okay, so how much capital do I need this year in 2022 mm. to create $15,000 of passive income? Mm. And then you just track that, man. And every month I'd go back and I'd look at my spreadsheet and I'd track my progress. And I, I do want to say that I think that writing down your goals is so powerful. Mm. You know, there's a stat that you're 42% more likely to hit your goal if you wrote it down. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, my mission president way back in the day said, he used to always say, Dave, a goal that's not written down is a dream, mm. right? Because it's just an idea. It's just, yeah. a, it, it's just a thought. And so mm. writing it down really gives power to it and it gives accountability to it. And it gives 
uh, where you can get that increment, you can see the incremental improvements. There's little tiny improvements right. as you right. go down that process, right? Yeah. And so for me at age 30, when I was going through this process, it was, okay, I need 40 rental properties by age 40 to achieve true financial freedom. And so I committed to that, made a, a blueprint, and just went to work on it, man. And oh, shit, you're at what? Over a thousand now. <laughs> 1,200. And that's just, you know, ownership in those doors. But the, uh, the main point there was, so it was like, okay, I need 40 doors by age 40 mm -hmm. and just got really clear on it and put a ton of purpose behind that. Right. It wasn't just because I want that, you know, it's because I want freedom. I want time freedom. I want quality life for my family. I want to travel the world. Yeah. I want to be able to, you know, create amazing experiences for my children, the people mm -hmm. I care about, my friends, my partners, you know, anyway, a long list of, of reasons there. But the key there, in my opinion, Jeremiah, is that the more purpose you can tie to the money, then the easier the money comes to you. Yeah. Because, you know, money is currency, and it's, it's really just current. It, it's currency. It mm -hmm. It's meant to move. It's not meant to just be stored up and, That's good. you know, put in a bank account. I like that. You create value by, by deploying that capital and making yeah. it work for you. And so, mm -hmm. anyway, I hit that goal when I was 36, you know, a few years early. And then I was like, okay, what's the next goal? And, you know, for me it was, okay, I want to get a thousand ownership in a 1,000 rental properties by age 40. Right. So went from 40 to yeah. a goal of a thousand. Definitely did it. <laughs> but I was like, Hey, you know what? I've got a team. I've got some, some confidence yeah. and some competency here. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of figured some things out. So yeah. why not? And in my opinion, goals should always be the right goal is something that is realistic, but it, it scares you and mm -hmm. it gets your, your, your emotions going. Right? right. And if it doesn't do that, then it's probably, you're thinking too small. And so anyway, I committed that thousand doors and just reverse engineered the whole process and still hit that, um, you know, last December when I was 40 years old and, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's just a fun journey, but you know, when people hear that and like, well, that sounds like a lot of doors and like a really tough thing. Again, you know, there's an expression that says, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. Yep. Right? right. But the key is knowing what you really want because some people go through life reactive and they're just reacting to emotions and how they feel that day and like what's thrown at them versus yeah. really being in the steering wheel and dry and controlling the trajectory of their lives. Yeah. You know, one last thing on that is I, a lot of my friends has heard me say this a lot, but you know, we, we always, a lot of people underestimate what we can do in one year. Mm -hmm. We overestimate what we can do, sorry, overestimate what we can do in one year right. and underestimate what we can do in a five year period. Mm -hmm. And so the key though is just getting that clarity, man. Yeah. Getting, crystal clear on it, tying purpose to it, yes. intentionality to it, and then going to work. I like that intentionality that see, like I've been, so I'm still, I'm so glad you're talking about that. Cause when you say the word purpose, right. I've thought about like, you say the word freedom, like there's nothing I believe in more than freedom. That's something my father, you know, raised me on is, is that freedom that it's up to you and nobody else. And that that's what this country's founded on, you know, and I, we're losing that. We're losing that in this country, right? We're losing that with my generation, you know, they, they don't want freedom. They would rather trade freedom for this fake idea of security that someone else can, you know, rule their lives better by handling their bills, giving them a certain amount of money coming in, all this stuff. Their health. Right? Their health. Right now. Oh my gosh. Having someone else watch over your health. Fuck that. You know, like what we're seeing is a press on the freedom, but why, when I look at this, why is freedom something that meant like mankind has always craved for, from the beginning of time, freedom has been the goal. 
I don't care what, you know, what, uh, you know, race you are, where, what continent you come from. If you look back at it, slaves have died and fought for freedom, right? Men, women, everyone has fought for freedom. They want freedom. Why do we as human beings crave freedom so much? Why is that the number one goal in our lives? Why does that just send a chill up our spine when we talk about freedom? It's because freedom brings purpose. We are purpose-driven beings. Why else would we continue to live? The, the lion has only one purpose, and that's to hunt, kill, and survive. We as human beings have a different purpose. We don't care about just survival. There's something inside of us that comes from God that's more than survival. It's more than just making it from day to day, right? It's more than just having lots of, you know, you know, I'm probably going to go to nature, like having lots of lionesses or whatever, right? It's more than that. It's purpose-driven. And we want purpose. We want to be somebody. We want to do things. We want to help other people. We are purpose-driven beings. We have a conscience. We have a soul. There's something about us that is different. And the only way you can find your purpose, the only way you can live up to your purpose and your potential is if you have freedom. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. That growth, that pain, that freedom for you to allow yourself the limits to have no limits, to experience that, to grow, to push for that, to set those goals and go after them and hit those things. There's nothing that brings more joy in life than setting a goal and accomplishing that goal and sacrificing everything you have to achieve it and to become it. We celebrate that. We celebrate our leaders who went after those things, who became somebody, right? That's why I love having people like you on this podcast because what you've done is nothing short of incredible, People look up to it, but there's a reason behind it. There's something that happened in the background. That's why I always start this podcast. What's your story? Because where did that come from? You know? Well, I I think my belief is that free agency is a God given right yes. for man. Like yes. that's something that we that that, that it's it's a right. Yeah. And so you got to fight for it, man. I think that you know the opposite of that is is you know those that are in power want more power and therefore freedom is actually a threat to power yes and so i mean even look at our our school system not to go down a rabbit hole here but go there's, on the rabbit hole man let's <laughs> there, do it there, there, there's there's no edu formal education in the public school system about personal finances right in my opinion it's more because you know that's not what they want for us because mm. freedom having true freedom takes away from you know, being enslaved or being have the, the power yes. oh. that others have over us. And so, you know, I, that's why I'm so excited about teaching my children financial mm -hmm. literacy. It's not, be, I honestly, I don't really care about the net worth or the zeros in the mm -hmm. bank account or even about money in general. It's money is a tool. Yeah. It's a facilitator mm -hmm. that helps magnify whatever we're really about. Right. Yes. People say money's evil. hundred percent. No, but it, it magnifies what you're about. If you have a lot of vices and you like controlling the people and you like whatever else then yeah, or, you know, drugs, whatever else that's going to be a bad, it's going to magnify that. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you're all about, you know, giving back and creating businesses and opportunities and experiences and travel and uh, whatnot, then that's going to magnify that. It's going to facilitate that for yeah. you. Right. And so to me, it's always fun. People are like, dude, yeah, money, like, like you know, the love of money. Anyway, to me, it's about freedom. Yes. Money really is just a tool to help create more freedom yes. and enrich the experiences in our lives. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I, I always say that, you know, when we look back on our lives, I think at the end of the day, we just, we're, what we really are going to care about, it's, it's relationships, mm -hmm. it's the experiences and the memories that we yes. create, right. right? It's not about how many doors you own, it's not about how much mm -hmm. money you have in the bank account, it's not about any of that stuff. Yeah. Your legacy 
is the impact you've created in this world, how much you've helped other people. Mm-hmm. And it's those relationships, man, yeah. and experiences. Even with real estate, you know, real estate itself is not that sexy. It's just brick and mortar real estate. Sure. Yeah. What I've loved though, is the ability to create experiences and relationships and experiences around real estate, yeah. right? It's my right. partners, yeah. it's you. You know, yeah. you came in, you're an investor with I'm, us in I'm Axie, a part of it, yeah. Right, like that's awesome, man. Right. Now we have some common ground where we can mm-hmm. create value for each other. Yeah. So that's what I've loved about real estate. Um, on the on the topic of freedom, just kind of wrap that one up though, is, you know, I think that it's not just financial freedom, but it's also time freedom, mm. right? It's the ability to own your own time mm-hmm. and and really just approach life the way that you want to. And, and most people are so focused on paying their weekly, monthly bills mm-hmm. and, you know, having enough that they're not able to focus on their purpose, on their passion, mm-hmm. on what they really want to be doing to live life with no regrets. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of my kind of core values in my life is no regrets. Yep. In fact, in, at this point at 41 years old, I can honestly say I have no regrets in my life. Mm-hmm. I have lessons learned. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I have one regret, but, um, uh, yeah, I lost my mom a few years ago mm-hmm. and it's completely unexpected 51 years old. And, um, and, and that was really hard for me because, you know, we never had a chance to really, like, you know, kind of make amends for some of the stuff from, you know, early on in life. Yeah. And so that was tough for me to, not, you know, so my one regrets, I wish I would have just like, you know, gone, yeah. talked through that with right. her and yeah. let her know, Hey, I know you did the best you know how to do. And, yeah. you know, I love you. And I appreciate you. And I'm yeah. grateful for that. But, yeah. um, but besides, you know, <clears throat> one of my goals again, it's just been to have no regrets in life. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, um, you know, by, by having more freedom allows me to be able to go on a, you know, Mount Everest excursion for two months away from my family That's dope. to be able to travel you yeah. know, every quarter, to be yeah. able to go on these golf trips with my, with my buddies, mm-hmm. you know, once a quarter yeah. to be able to go and speak on stage and go and pursue mm-hmm. things that I'm really excited about. Yeah. You know, what's funny though, one last thing I just want to, I, no, I, had, I, had, it, I, had, I had this thought, yeah, so, yeah. like, even though I don't need to be working right now, I'm actually working harder than I ever have in my right. life right now. Right. But it's projects and, and, and opportunities that I'm passionate about yeah. that I want to be doing mm-hmm. with the people I want to be doing it with, right? And to me, I've never been more happy and more fulfilled because yeah. we're actually creating things. We're creating opportunities for other people. And I've, mm-hmm. I've always believed that if you can help enough other people get what they want, you'll always have what you want, mm-hmm. right? Zig Ziglar quote. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of a philosophy to live life by. You know, even Axia, our real estate fund, the name uh, Axia stands for to create value mm-hmm. in Greek. And so it's always about creating value as much mm-hmm. as you can. Um, but anyway, man, kind of went off topic on, on, on with, with freedom, uh, with, 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 with health and like all the masks and mandates and vaccines oh and all gosh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, my take on that's really simple. I, I, I it, it's all about freedom for me, right? So I, I don't think the vaccine is, you know, purposefully trying to, you know, kill everybody or they're doing a lot of these things, you know, like these, you know, it, it, but to me, it's, it's the approach. Yep. It's the, if it was just educational, like, Hey, this is, this is what it is. And this is yep. the threat. And this is the opportunity. Yeah. I think, it, it, I think a lot, it'd be received so much better than having it being so politicized mm-hmm. and mandated. Yeah. And that's where I have a, a problem is where it's mandated. Hey, you have to do this mm-hmm. to have your, your rights and your freedom. Yeah. To me, that's un-American. Oh. And that's what our forefather, forefathers fought for. Yeah. And why we're here today right. is to protect those type of freedoms. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't know how far I want to go that go, rabbit hole. Go but, for it. Like that's, that's something so, that's. I think more because we're, uh, uh, you know, we could talk about real estate. You know, we could talk about the different methods of real estate. We could talk about different funds. But at the end of the day, this is probably the most important topic of it is that freedom that we're talking about. And what what life do we want to live? What legacy do we want to be? That, that quote you see out there of Alpha Influence of be greater, be nothing represents that. 
is that if you're not striving to be the best you can be, not only are you failing yourself, you're failing everyone else you could have helped along the way. And because of that, if you do not choose the greatness in your life, you're choosing to be nothing. You're choosing to settle for less than you could be. You're choosing the mediocre life. And if you believe in God and the scriptures, the God spits out the lukewarm because you settled. You settled to just take care of you. The average life is the most selfish life you'll ever live because you only care about what you can do for you and not the sacrifice you could put in to help how many other people to provide that value in life and honestly to have that kind of message. And in today's world, there will be suffering if we don't speak up about it. There will be suffering if men like you and me do not say this is wrong and we will not stand for it, right? Not even just say like, we will not stand for this. You do not tell us what to do. You do not have the right or the authority to mandate us. We will fire your ass, get you out of the office if you try to mandate this because you will not impose on our freedom. That is what we believe. That is this country. That's what we're found on. And we hear over and over, screw your freedom message from the media, message from the government even sometimes. They say, screw your freedom. And what do they always say? It's for your security. It's for your health and safety. And I have never, ever in the history of this world studied a tyrant who took over, who didn't rally his people around the idea that I will give you security, I will give you safety if you give me your freedom. Someone who comes along who convinces everyone else that he knows better than they do for their own health, for their own lives, and that if they were to do this, there's a utopian life that he will take care of all of us. That is how Hitler rose to power. That is how every tyrant has ever risen to power is by some small group of people or even one person saying, I know better than you. And it's up to the people to say, fuck you. No, you don't. And how dare you try to impose that on us? Because you know what? Health and safety, that's up to you. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah, you could really fuck shit up in your life. You could smoke those cigarettes and those ain't good, man. You know, you could you could go weigh, you know, 600 pounds. That ain't good. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. Natural consequences. Natural consequences. Honestly, natural, natural way of living, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's your choice on how, what you do with your health. It's your choice on what you choose to do for your kids. It's no one else's choice on the mandates you can put on us. And I know through our systems that we that have been created, they want to impose those mandates on the businesses, on the airlines, on schools. That's what I love what you're talking about with schools. Cause I hate school. I think it I think what school has turned into is an indoctrination camp for the wrong reasons. Showing us how to be employees, show us how to be a slave to the dollar. Literally, I believe that. It's, and maybe it's not, you know, like intentionally, but at the end of the day, what does school show you? It doesn't teach you how to be free. It doesn't teach you how to, you know, create your own, manage your finances. I do not remember a single lesson I've ever learned that was worth a damn in school about, about finances, right? They don't create, they don't create, they don't teach you how to create a lifestyle where you can value your time. A friend of mine, Brad Lee has said this where he says, if you if I gave you $10 million today, would you take it? Everyone says, yeah. But then he goes, what if it what if it meant you wouldn't wake up tomorrow? No one ever, ever will say yes to that. Unless you're really dumb, right? No one will say yes to that. Why? Because time is more val- the most valuable thing we have on this planet. And the fact that we're willing to trade our time for dollars, maybe 10 bucks, 20 bucks, a lunch, whatever it is, shows you how we've been brainwashed and taught to devalue our own life and what we can do and the experiences we can have and who we can become. We've become slaves to the dollar just because no one showed us this, 
right? I mean, that's at the end of the day what the system is created. When they're talking about freedom, the mandates through the schools, I'm entirely against. I dropped out of college. I do not want my kids to go to college unless something fixes, and I don't think they will. Right. So I'm on the same page on that one. So I, I think that schools in general, it, it's more about teaching like obedience, right? Yes. So like they get their grades, they, there's a system. If mm-hmm. you conform to it and you're obedient, then you Make can sure get you sit these, in your seat. Yeah. Right. So I'm in the same boat. I actually yeah. dropped out. So I was uh, hoping to get my MBA in business. And then, you know, I became a regional manager at Vivint and it was actually back in the day, um, you know, the owners said, Hey, if you want to become a full regional manager, yeah. you can't go to school at the same time because of this. Yeah. And that, frankly, it was actually a really hard decision for me because I had a goal of, of, of finishing that out. Yeah. But in hindsight, man, dude, I don't regret that for a minute right. and I'll, I will never go back. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I learned so much more about real world skills going out and just knocking doors, trying to sell something. Right. Mm-hmm. And then going into leadership, which again is the most valuable skill set, because everything was up or down from leadership. Yeah. And so being able to lead people and how to how how, how, how to approach that, so valuable. Yeah. And so with my kids right now, you know, I'm I'm still a little bit torn on that because there is, I think if you go into a technical um, job, if you're yes. an attorney, if you're a doctor, uh-huh. obviously you got to go to college. I right? don't think anyone disagrees that they want their doctor to go to the doctor yeah. school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're a doctor. Cool. What, what, what school did you go to? Uh, the school of hard knocks. I went and knocked away. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got I've, I've done a couple out, surgeries and I learned. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but what I think like for my kids right now, my message to them is, Hey, if you want to go and be, let's say an interior designer, yeah. the best way you could approach that is go find the very best interior designer in the country send her a letter, send her a video and say, Hey, I'm going to come on and be a full one year internship for you. No, no costs. Yep. I'll pay for my own everything. Yep. And let me just help shadow you and f- help you and, mm-hmm. and learn from you. And by doing that, they're going to leave that internship mm-hmm. or apprenticeship with the knowledge from the very best person in the country. Yep. They're going to have very little debt, if anything, from that. Yeah. It's going to be relevant. It's not going to be out of a textbook that's already five, 10 years outdated. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and the resume is, hey, I worked with this individual, yeah. the best in class, right? Yeah. So to me, you learn a lot more that way. And the only thing I'm t- cautious with my, with my kids when I talk about you know, education and, and the lack of my, you know, believe they need to go to college is I'm cool with that as long as you maintain a growth mindset mm-hmm. and you're always trying to learn yeah. and educate yourself. Because mm-hmm. we live in the most amazing time, man, where you can learn anything at the tip of your fingertips. Dude, you, Google it. Google anything you want. I, I heard a study that in, in, when, in regards to business degrees, there's nothing in a business degree that you can't find on YouTube or Google at this point. You just have to be able to search it out yourself. That's it. Like there's nothing you'll learn that's not already out there for free. You know, I, I was, uh, last year I was out uh, at dinner with Andy Fursell and Ed Milet and Ed said something that's really powerful. Yeah. And when he said it, it sounded pretty basic, but he goes, Dave, the only difference between who you are today and who you will be 12 months from now is three things. It's the people you surround yourself with, the podcasts you listen to, and the books you read. And, and I'm like, okay, I get that, right? We're the accumulation of the five people we spend our time with. Mm-hmm. But the more I've looked back on that comment, I think it's so powerful, man. Really, it's just, it's what we we intake, It's right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's our mindset. And I feel like our mindset is the number one determinant of our success Amen. and our personal growth. You know, that six inches of real estate between your ears is by far the most valuable real estate. Yep. Anything you can do to increase the ROI or the return on investment by improving, you know, your mindset, it'll pay 10 X, hundred X. No, I agree. And now let me, let me, let me pivot to a question here for you. Cause it, in, in regards to your real estate, right? Cause we've been talking a lot about freedom and all this stuff. One of the things that people crave is they want to get into real estate. They want to get into these businesses, but they don't have the time. And 
me, I'm running my business and I preach real estate and I still don't have the time to vet the deals, to, you know, you know, handle all the, all the loans, to handle everything, to handle construction, whatever it is. I don't have the time for that. Right. So one thing I love in business that is becoming created more and more, especially with the kind of resources we have is that done for you system, right? That done for you system where in regards to education, I know we've been discussing education. You, there's no done for you education you're going to have to put in the work on that. But when it comes to actual dollars, when it comes to actually putting your money in with something, there is that done for you system that I think is becoming more and more popular. I don't know how you feel about that because I feel like that's really becoming a big thing. I don't think it was so much before, but I think it's becoming more and more the popular way of going where you have that done for you system where you can still get into everything and creates that freedom where you leverage someone else's skill set, someone else's team, their software, whatever they have, something they've already built to create freedom for you, but still be able to dip into the most important things, right? Because not everyone can be a real estate expert. Not everyone can be an expert in crypto. Not everyone can be an expert in maybe, hell, maybe even in cars, whatever your business is. There's so many expertise out there, dude. I, I talked to a guy who's a multimillionaire, we're talking like maybe a hundred million dollar net worth from Texas. And he has, he has, he developed this thing where he injects, you know, stuff into bulls testicles. So it gets them ready for heat and he's making money off that. Right? Like, that's his expertise, right? I don't give a shit about that, but that's his expertise. And that's what he's good at. So when it comes to real estate and all this stuff, what you set up with Axia is huge because that's that done for you system where people can get into real estate through what you're doing, but they don't have to vet the deals. They don't have to be the real estate expert, which would take years. Seriously, they're basically, if I'm, if I'm not correct, tell me if I'm wrong, they're able to leverage your failures and where you're at because of what you've learned from those failures and skip that process. The 15 years, you've learned a lot of shit in those 15 years of what to do and what not to do. And someone who wanted to get in real estate, they can either go through that same you know trajectory or they can skip all that and just go right to someone like you. Right. Yeah. I think the key is when you get started is to make a decision intentionally if you want to be passive or active in your approach. Right. And passive means it's mailbox money. You don't literally do anything besides, you know, cut a check and yeah. then maybe get your K1 every year. Right. Yeah. But there's no other responsibility there. I think most guys want to invest for passive income, especially if they're running sales teams, they're running businesses, they're mm -hmm. they're making good money and they're they're they, they like where they are with their career. For sure, you should just go on a passive approach here, right? But uh, make sure you're clear from the beginning. Am I passive? Am I active? Mm -hmm. And if it is going to be passive, then, you know, it's just all about cash flow. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's, you know, every month, at least once a month, I'm I'm writing a check. I'm investing in a different cash flow investments where I'm completely passive. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm a, a real estate professional, I run a real estate fund and, you know, there are other businesses. Um, I don't have the bandwidth to do it on my own. So I still invest in other people's projects mm -hmm. passively just to get that, those, those streams of income coming in. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, real quick uh, on that note, uh, yeah, I call it, um, lifestyle investing mm -hmm. with passive income. But once you get enough of those streams of income coming in and that mailbox money and it has enough to pay for your cost of living, mm -hmm. what's amazing then is as you get additional streams of, of income coming in, mm -hmm. the additional passive income, you redeploy that back into it, into more, mm -hmm. you know, streams of income passively. Yeah, right. 
and it creates what a kind of, kind of like a snowball effect, mm-hmm. compound effect compound, where it just yeah. keeps getting bigger and bigger yeah. as you redeploy that back into mm-hmm. new passive investments. Yeah. And that's something I've never seen in a book or I've, I've heard other people really explain that approach. But mm-hmm. for me, that's been incredible. Yeah. Right. So you start out with maybe trying to get three new passive, one new passive income stream that year yeah. and then just keep building on that every year. Mm-hmm. And again, it takes discipline. It takes time. But eventually it, it creates this beautiful machine of, of cash flow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, going back to your question on, on uh, you know, basically kind of a, a built for you type of a model, you know, with Axia, our real estate fund, when I first came up with our investment thesis, it was, okay, you know, how can we create consistent passive income that has a low downside risk, mm-hmm. you know, considering that we're 12, 13 years in this amazing housing market, it's not a matter of if, but when there's going to be some tough waters, yep, corrections, some choppy waters, yep, right? Right. And so how can we create real value for our investors and in a, in a high upside, high yield mm-hmm. while still protecting the downside risk? Mm-hmm. And so that was my investment thesis going into the fund. And it was, okay, we're just going to buy stabilized cash flow positive real estate, specifically in multifamily, RV parks, and self-storage. Because historically, those three asset types have been the most recession resilient mm. in the markets. And so yeah. we mix those three together and we only buy, you know, again, pat, uh, stabilized or close to being stabilized. And then every single asset we acquire, it's value add, meaning that it's, mis, you know, the property's mismanaged, mm-hmm. it's old, it's, you know, whatever. And so we'll come in and we'll do all the value improvements, new cabinets, paint, you know, increased experience, right. add dog yeah. parks, yeah. pool, hot tubs, play areas for the kids, search and optimization, social media, all that. And so by doing that, it really insulates the downside risk mm. if the market does turn because yeah. we added so much sweat equity mm. in improving the asset. Yeah. And so I feel like that's a really smart way of doing it. But, um, you know, for our investors, one thing that drove me to doing a fund versus a syndication, syndications are usually like five to 20 partners coming in on a deal. Mm. But now with a fund, you know, we can create value for literally hundreds and hundreds of people. Mm. This year will be over a thousand investors in the, in Axia. And so we're creating real value for so many more people. Yeah. And I love that, that, you know, the, the impact we can have through, through Axia. Um, but we're, you know, the other part of our, our motto, uh, is experiential investing. Mm-hmm. And to me, the new modern economy is all about experiences. People want experiences, right? And so in a fund, I've never seen this before, but we've committed to experiential investing, meaning that every single month, uh, the first Thursday of each month, we have a one of the top real estate guys in the country coming in, and they'll speak for 45 minutes to our, our investors, mm-hmm. and then a 45-minute Q&A, so they can ask any questions they want to. And we also invite all of our investors to come on site for our due diligence, for our walkthroughs. Uh, we basically just pull back the curtain so you guys can see exactly how we do what we do. Mm-hmm. And so it's an educational opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the whole idea of, you know, instead of giving a man a fish, teach him how to fish. And mm-hmm. so a lot of guys want to learn how to do real estate. And so this is a unique way of creating value by helping to educate. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about getting an ROI, but it's also about helping teach mm-hmm. our, our partners. Love it. I love that. Well, Dave, dude, we covered some great stuff, man. If there's one thing you'd want to leave our audience with, what would it be, man? One thing. Oh, man, that's tough. I know. That's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> uh I, you know, I, I would, I would probably say, get really clear on what you're really trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing, man. You know, people go through life just kind of meandering and, and just get super clear on it, man. It takes time, yeah. you know, and I, for me personally, I created this thing called lifestyle design mm-hmm. and it's, you know, 10 different chapters of, of my life that I want to be great at. Yeah. Because a lot of guys are really good at one thing. They're really good at their health or they're really good at business, but they neglect their relationships and their family. Right. Mm-hmm. And so create this lifestyle design in the first chapter 
you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's my mission statement. So it's my personal mission statement for my life, my core values, my guiding principles, my five non tangibles. Mm. Like you mentioned earlier, like my, like one of those is I'll never trade time for money. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll never put uh, money over relationships, yeah. you know, those kind of things. And then, you know, chapter two is health and it's business finances, uh, time, uh, spiritual experiences and relationships. So we got these 10 chapters. That I'm really, you know, intentional with. And I think just getting clear on the outcome, man. I think, you know, if you know what you really want in life, then your approach is a lot more, you can be more aggressive and bold in your approach because you know, hey, this this aligns with my purpose. This yeah. aligns with what I, you know, I want my life to stand for. Yeah. You know, my legacy when I'm, when I'm no longer here, you know, what are my kids, family, neighbors going to say about my life and my impact? If you know the answer to that now, you can make better decisions. And, you know, I, I believe that in life where we get to is really just an accumulation of the decisions we made along the way. Mm-hmm. And so the more high quality decisions we can make then the higher quality of life we're able to enjoy. Mm. Dude, <laughs> we could, damn, dude, I love it, man. Everything you said, dude, like that, like if people just understand, if they just understood this stuff, everything we covered here, they're like, uh, it, like it, uh, it's, it's cliche, but it's life changing. Like this would completely change and restructure how they think about life, you know? So uh, everyone listening to this, I want you guys all to go follow Dave Allred. We're going to link all this in the link in the bio. So make sure you guys have access to him. Dave Allred um, on Instagram. Also visit his website, axiapartners.com. If you're interested in learning more, you know, full disclosure, I am also a part of it. It's obviously been incredible, but the best advice I've ever heard was invest in the jockey, not the horse. We all know real estate's a good one, but who you do it with is a big part. And obviously, you know, your name comes with a lot of trust and a lot of, you know, high praise, and I'm one of them, you know? So make sure you guys go check that out at Axie Partners. Any other place that people can get in touch with you or learn more about you? No, that's probably it. Instagram's probably the most used. So awesome. Dave, Dave Allred, jump on there. Awesome. He's doing big things. And make sure you guys watch what's going to in the future because I'm on that bandwagon. I'm excited to see it too. Well, let's go, man. Dude, Appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you.